Welcome to Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Today, I have my guest, Suzanne Minsky, who is the creator of Beauty Business Collective and a hair and makeup artist for weddings. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Jody. How are you? I am doing so good. I'm excited to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about you and then... A little bit about where you got started in your career and your journey in the beauty industry. Absolutely. So I am a licensed cosmetologist and uh, esthetician. I've been doing hair and makeup for weddings for over 14 years now. And I got started in 2020 as an educator to help bring more business awareness to the bridal industry because I feel like a lot of educators focus on the pretty side of things, how to do updos, how to do makeup and stuff. And I felt like there was a little bit of like a lack in the uh, education spectrum for like the business side of things, how to manage all that kind of stuff, how to market, how to price. So kind of involved into becoming an educator while still doing hair and makeup for weddings as well. That is awesome. So Can you tell me what prompted you to start the Beauty Business Collective? You said that you saw the gap in there. Is that kind of when you decided you had to create something? Yeah. So with 2020, the wedding industry kind of exploded a little bit with, you know, the or imploded, I guess I should say, with the pandemic and weddings getting postponed and canceled Mm -hmm. and everything. And so there was a lot of time that a lot of people had on their hands And there was a big need for continuing education because now people were like, oh, I have all this time. I want to work on my business. I want to grow things. And so there were a lot of educators who were talking about updos and makeup. And I realized I was like, well, there's nobody really talking about business. But whenever I go to like updo classes and things like that, I hear a lot of questions at the very end when, you know, the educator's like, does anybody have any questions? And I always like, well, how do you price or how do you market or how do you take better pictures or grow your Instagram and stuff like that? And not a lot of educators really focus on that. So I was like, well, if there seems to be a, a good need for this type of information. And it's always kind of been the, the powerhouse behind my business. I was really good at business. I was like, well, maybe I can throw my hat in the ring. See, see where it takes me. I love that. Yeah, I think it's so important because these are the things that we just do not get taught, right? In cosmetology school, in hair school, there's no real, I mean, maybe it's getting better now, but I know I finished hair school like 15 years ago and Uh I don't remember learning any of that. Exactly. I remember when I went to esthetician school about 14 years ago and we had a very basic class on how to start a business. And it was really like, here's, once you get your license, if you want to start your own aesthetics business, like here's a couple of resources to find, 
you know, the Florida, because that's where I went to school, you know, Florida Mm -hmm. licensing and the Board of Cosmetology and blah, blah, blah. And it was just very basic. And then I went to Paul Mitchell for hair school about seven years ago. And they didn't really talk about business at all. It was, here's how to pass state boards. And then once you pass state boards, you go and you interview at a salon. And if you want to start your own booth rental place or studio rental, you know, you can, you can do that. But most of you are just going to go work for somebody else in a salon. Here's how to get your license. Here's how to do an interview and get hired. And then it was kind of like, that was it. There was nothing else beyond that as if there weren't other opportunities available. Right. Yeah. We talk a lot on this podcast about how, you know, up until recently, I would say like the success path Mm -hmm. seemed fairly linear for hairstylists. So it was either go to cosmetology school, you get qualified, you go to a salon, and then, you know, either you become an educator or you become a salon owner. And that was how you make it in this industry. Whereas now we have so many, there's like a million different offshoots. Like my full-time business is now something I didn't even know existed when I finished hair school. So (laughs) it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, what is it that made you decide to go into bridal hair and makeup versus working at a salon or any of those other things? When did you kind of find that niche? Well, I started out with just doing makeup. So when I moved from Florida to Virginia 12 years ago, I could not take my license with me. There was no reciprocity between the states. And so starting over was my only option. And I had a two-year-old and we wanted to have another kid and I was already working cosmetics retail. So I was like, I'm not going through this whole school thing again. What can I do that's not working behind the counter selling makeup? Because I couldn't I couldn't go work at a, at a spa anymore. And so one of the girls that I was working with was like, hey, you're really good at makeup. All these people come up to you on the weekends and you do their makeup for nights out and weddings and all those kinds of things. You used to do that down in Florida. Why don't you just do that here? And I had never really considered it as a viable, like only income option until that point. And then she kind of opened my eyes to it that there was a much bigger market out there. So I did that for many years and then eventually went back to cosmetology school to start doing hair as well. And now up until November of last year, I was working behind the chair. I had a home salon, but in in November, I decided to take a step back from you know, cuts and colors and stuff during the week just to really focus uh, on my education business and on, on my brides. That's amazing. So when you first started doing bridal, did you go freelance right away or did you work for like a company? I've always been freelance, pretty much everything. Once I stopped working behind uh, the counter selling cosmetics, I I've worked for myself for, for the last 13 years or so, been my own boss. That's awesome. So, okay, if somebody, we say we have a hairstylist or a makeup artist uh-huh. listening to this podcast episode and they're thinking, okay, I this sounds amazing. I want that freedom. I want that opportunity, but they have just no idea where to get started. What, mm-hmm. where would you say is like step one of going freelance? Step one of going freelance, I guess, would really be to start to build a website and something that is dedicated solely to brides. So that way you have a place to start putting all of your information. So Instagram is great. Facebook is great, but you don't own that space. 
whereas you own a website. So you want a place to start putting your photos, putting your booking information, having a contact form, all of that that is specific to brides. A lot of people will say, well, well, I have my own website for my salon work, but I want to do more weddings. So let me just throw up a page that's dedicated to brides. And that is okay. But brides don't really care about cuts and color, waxing, eyelashes, any of that kind of stuff. They don't want to see that information. They want to go to a website that is dedicated just to brides. And they want to feel like brides is what you do. And brides is what you specialize in. Because if you kind of come across as like, oh, I'm a jack of all trades, I can do it all, then sometimes they're just like, well, are you really going to have that much time and energy to put towards my wedding? Or is this going to be like a side hustle for you? Ooh, that's such good advice. From a marketing perspective, I think, and especially brides, I would say, are really, really not looking for a generalist. I think the only exception to that would be like if you're a stylist and your client asks you to do hair for their wedding, Uh that's different. But if you're marketing to and wanting to like really grow in the bridal industry, I think that's imperative. And I love what you said about starting with a website because I think, again, that's really great advice because a website almost is what legitimizes your business. And I would say- social media humanizes your business. So exactly. Yeah, that's a great correlation between the two. Yeah, I teach obviously mostly Instagram marketing, but I think that Mm -hmm. on the whole, I will always tell everyone that asks, yes, you definitely should have a website because that's going to be your hub. Okay, so what does it look like to work with you then for stylists? How do they go about, like, do you do one-on-one coaching? Do you have a program? What does that look like for you? I do offer uh, one-on-one coaching, but the majority of my education is through my signature course called Next Level Bridal Business. And I'm actually getting ready to launch the 2.0 version later on this month. But my website has also is some digital tools. So for people who don't necessarily need a start to finish course, I also have not necessarily mini courses, but more focused bundles of digital tools. So like a pricing guide, and then there's some videos that go with it about how to dial down your pricing and how to do market research. Then I have another little kind of business and money bundle, which is how to do pricing, but also here's how to manage your finances and save for taxes, give yourself paid vacation days and paid time off. So there, people can kind of pick and choose specific topics within the resource library, or they can do the whole course, which is a start to finish transformation for your business in 90 days. Wow, I love that ability to kind of see what you need. That's such a great um, resource to offer. So, okay, I'm a marketing nerd. So this is always Uh where my brain goes. Uh (laughs) When you're talking to bridal stylists about their marketing, Uh do you have any any really actionable tips that you can give my listeners who want to start like, you know, that want to start just attracting those brides right away? Like how would they get them to their website? How would they get them to, to pay attention to what they're doing? Well, I think the most important step that a lot of people kind of don't necessarily think about or don't realize is the true first step is really dialing down who their target market is. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter how many eyes you have on your website. If you're reaching the wrong people, you're still never going to book anyone. So that's like, part of like the very first step in my course actually is really dialing down who your dream bride is. Because a lot of people will be like, oh, I get all these inquiries and they tell me I'm too expensive. And then 
their their next step they think they need to do is to change their price. And it's like, no, you don't need to change your price. You need to change your marketing. You're reaching the wrong brides. You need to find what brides are going to pay your prices and who your dream bride is. And then you need to figure out how to get in front of her. And so that involves a lot of um, market research and looking at brides and, and really targeting for their demographic, for where they are in their country, what the buying habits of the brides that they're trying to attract are, what their pricing budget range is, and then building a marketing plan to say, okay, this is who I'm specifically trying to talk to. And then you can build your marketing towards that person. So when that person sees your marketing message, they're like, oh, she's talking exactly to me. And then they're much more likely to continue down your marketing funnel and to continue through that buying process with you because they already feel like you're talking to them. So I think that would be my first step to tell people is to really figure out who you're trying to speak to before you can figure out where she lives. Honestly, I think that's great advice, not just for bridal stylists, but if you're listening to this and you have any type of business at all, I feel like that is absolutely amazing advice. That's the first thing that I do in all of my programs is narrow down Uh that ideal client because you really can't do anything until you have that nailed down. Exactly. Like I said, it doesn't really matter how many people you can drive to your your Instagram or to your Facebook or to your website, to your blog, to anything. If it's the wrong people, they're, I mean, they're, they're never going to buy. So you have to know who, who you're trying to attract before you can uh, attract them. Absolutely. So bridal business, I know that I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of stylists say that they love doing bridal, but they're worried to make it kind of their full-time thing because a lot of people still view it as seasonal. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it can be seasonal to an extent, but I I say it's more of there are two seasons. There is wedding season, and that's going to change depending on where you live in the country, uh, you know, how active weddings are. Like where I live in Northern Virginia, there's not a lot of people who are getting married in January, February, because there's too much risk of snow. But March through November and kind of closer into December is still really active with weddings. So I consider that more of like wedding season. So you're, you're working primarily on the weekends and you're getting your income from your wedding day balances. Whereas the rest of the year, so like November through March is engagement season or booking season. That's when people are getting engaged. They're looking to book their vendors. And that's when you're collecting deposits or retainers. And so you're not working so much on the weekends. You're working during the week behind the computer, getting your marketing message out there, responding to inquiries, sending them out contracts and collecting that income. So it is seasonal, but not the way that people think. There are two seasons. There's two different stages to your income. You don't just send out a contract and you get one payment and that's it. You're breaking your payments up between the two. So that way you can keep your money consistently flowing throughout the year. So you're always making money because you're always doing one one end of the funnel. Either they're coming in with the beginning of the booking and you're collecting that initial retainer or they're getting ready for the wedding day and they're leaving the funnel and you're collecting that balance. 
Wow. I've never actually thought of it like that. So that's a really, really great little nugget there. Cause I think that a lot of stylists, when they think, Oh, like weddings, like sounds like fun, but yeah, they think they're only going to be making money in the summer or whenever they're doing the weddings. So the fact that you focus on that, splitting that into two basically seasons in your business, I think that's, Uh that's amazing. That's such great advice. Yeah. And that way too, you don't have to necessarily worry about having to be so busy every single weekend because during that booking season, it's, you're not out, you're not doing things on the weekend. So if you are a stylist that works behind the chair in the salon, you know, you can still take your, your weekend clients. You're not always sacrificing your Saturdays to make money in the bridal industry because you're, there's still other time that you're investing into your business that gives you a return and that you're making money on. Yeah, that's really great advice. So where can people find you? What, where's the best place for people to, to check you out and learn more about you? The easiest place is Instagram because there's my link tree there and you can find direct links to what exactly you're looking for, whether you're looking for my signature course or some of those smaller tools, and then we can connect on there. So my Instagram is beautybiz, B-I-Z, collective. Amazing. And I will link that in the show notes. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And it was really great talking to you. And I think that there's some really, really valuable information that you shared with us today. So I very much appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me.